0: say happy father's day to all the men in this church and isn't this beautiful display that yes. they put together that's just awesome and uh, i think it'd be great if we started off this morning and recognize the everlasting father yes. amen. amen amen why don't we give him some praise right now lord every good and wonderful thing comes down from above from the father of lights you're a good good father lord and you provide everything that we need jesus amen we give you some praise today lord god we don't go wondering for help today we come to you because you are our real father lord we turn to you and for everything that we need, God, every guidance, every instruction, Lord, we want to receive some of that this morning, God. We turn to you and we look to you, God, for all things, Jesus, we love you, Lord, and we give you the praise in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. Amen. You can be seated. Hey, we're going to have a great day today. It's Father's Day. We're going to recognize our fathers, and we've got... Uh, there is class pastor's telling me right now so yeah yeah he's back there and he's lonely on Father's Day amen amen y'all are still with me ain't you I know we're cut short there but Hey, turn with me to the book of Isaiah 45, chapter 45. If you are a father in this room and you did not get your name in for the drawing, it's going to happen later, get with Brother Wilson, raise your hand up, and he'll get your name in the pot. Amen. And uh, we've been studying different prophecies from the book of Isaiah. Today it's going to come from... Chapter 45, several verses here. Uh, We're going to start with verse 5. If you're there, somebody say amen. Amen. And uh, it's in your bulletin if you need to find it there. Isaiah chapter 45, verse 5 says this, I am the Lord and there is none else. There is no God beside me. I girded thee though thou hast not known me that they may know from the rising of the Sun and from the West that there is none beside me I am the Lord and there is none else now look two scriptures right there and he's made it clear about four times there's no other God but me that's right he's trying to convey a message here verse 7 I form the light and create the darkness now here's here's a tough one I'm going to leave you in suspense on this. I make peace and create evil. I, the Lord, do all these things. Drop down, ye heavens, from above, and let the skies pour down righteousness. Let the earth open, and let them bring forth salvation, and let righteousness spring up together. I, the Lord, have created it. Woe unto him that striveth with his maker. In other words, woe unto the one who has a struggle with his maker having authority and having all control. Let the potsherd, now a potsherd is uh, a piece of ceramic. And most often it's referring to a broken piece of ceramic, whether it be a pot or what have you. Let the potsherd strive with the potsherds of the earth. Shall the clay say to him that fashioneth it, what makest thou, or thy work he hath no hands? Woe unto him that saith unto his father, what beggest thou, or to the woman, what hast thou brought forth? Thus saith the Lord, the Holy One of Israel, and his maker, ask me of things to come concerning my sons and concerning the work of my hands command ye me. Key verse this morning, verse 12. I have made the earth and created man upon it. I, even my hands, have stretched out the heavens, and all their hosts have I commanded. I have raised him up in righteousness, and I will direct all his ways. He shall build my city, and he shall let go my captives, not for price nor reward, saith the Lord of hosts talking about this morning, the sovereignty of God, the sovereignty of God. When, when we say sovereignty, we mean the one who's holding all power. Yes. Sovereign means all power to this one person, place or thing. He's an all sovereign God. He holds all power. Jesus would say all power in heaven and earth is given unto me. And we pray in the name of Jesus we don't pray in the name of three people because all power in heaven and earth is given under this one name this one being this one person you don't got to pray to anybody or anything else because he holds all power and we're gonna see in just a minute that even those who hold power and do evil they get their power from him everything anybody that's got power or anything the only reason they've got it is because it comes from God. There is a, a radio show that's very popular and it's called How Success Happens and it the whole idea maybe you've seen like a documentary or, or something that they go through uh, different instances where somebody did this amazing feat in sports or this, this wonderful story, and this, essentially, this radio show goes through success stories, particularly in business, people who made it big off of whatever that they did. And in one of these shows, Joy Mangano, an established, established inventor of today, was interviewed about how she made it all happen. She has sold over $3 million worth of products that she invented herself. And the interview was about how she took charge of her life and she in her own words she said that she created her own destiny she took charge of what she'd been given she explained how it started with her thinking and realizing that she had been given an allotted time of life she had so many years in the measure of a life to do something significant. And so we all qualify for that. You've been given a certain amount of years to do something with your life. And that was her first realization. And her second realization was that in in where she's at, particularly in America, she has opportunity to do just about whatever she wants to do. If she wants to invent something, nobody's gonna stop her from doing that. If she wants to earn a degree to go get a job, nobody's going to stop her from doing it. So much opportunity. And so her message is, you control your own destiny. If you want to be something, you can go out and do it. But if you want to be something and you don't put any effort into it, that's just too bad. You got to put effort into it. All the opportunity is there. The question is, are you gonna put effort into doing it? Now, just as this young lady has this view of she can control her life and make a decision to create something new, similarly, our God is in control of everything. Yes. Amen. And he has the ability To bring up a new tree he's got the ability to make crops grow he's got the ability if he so wishes to wipe it all away it's all in his power in the control of the Creator and he's got the power to create something out of nothing that's what he did at the beginning of our Bible Darkness was upon the face of the deep. There was nothing. And all of a sudden he begins to spring forth some things. And we have this beautiful world that you can tour in your life and see all that the great creator has done. He's in control of all this world. And the final say in all of it is that nobody has power but God. Amen. And nobody's got authority but God. Yes. There are some that will get up and claim that they do have that power and authority. But in fact, God gives any power and authority to the people that he wishes. And many times people who think that they hold the power and authority, he's using them. And he's exercising his own power through them. To do what he wants to do. We we have uh, studied for many weeks. End time Bible study series. And I don't have to educate you on this. But I'll remind you this morning. That there are people that are going to be a great part of the end times. Doing evil. But God is going to use them. In what they're doing. He has to bring humanity to a point of decision. And to a point at the end. And the only way that's going to happen is if there's some that has power that do evil. In fact, God has to give somebody power that does evil. Because the only way that we can ever observe God as good is if there's people that are evil. God wants you to contrast him from the evil in the world. He wants you to see just how good he is. And sometimes the way that that happens is for us to see power in people who are doing evil. We live in a world where many question the sovereignty of God—that He does have all power. And matter of fact, there's people that are trying to rip that entire idea out of everything. There is no ultimate sovereign God. There's no ultimate power. You just—all of this that we've got around us—is just random, and it's all chance. That any of this is here. And this is the message that the world is trying to spread for the most part that there is not a sovereign God. Rather than bowing down in worship, many want to raise objections and, and get people to doubting. And rather than raising hands of praise, there's a lot of people that are raising fists of anger toward a God who really has all authority. And rather than defining and, and showing that there is a will of God, many today want to assert their own will in the world. And many of these fail to understand the sovereignty of the Lord. They also fail to understand the nature of God. Do you know that the majority, this is shocking, the majority of non-apostolic Christians in our world today hold a Trinitarian view of God. The majority believe that there are three separate persons. There is Jesus, there is God, and there's the Holy Ghost. This is the majority thought of Christianity. So already there's a faulty view of who God is. And really that's the beginning of who God is. You've got to understand that Jesus was God manifested in flesh. And don't you know that when you understand that, it gives you such more of a love for God. The fact that he would come down from heaven and robe himself in flesh. He didn't just create a man to go down on the cross. He said, I'll come down and I'll do it. It was him. Amen. And oh, what a better view of God. Yes. When you understand that that's what he did. It all starts with a view of him. And there's a, people criticize the oneness belief that is so evident in the Bible. Apostolics counter this point that that they put out about Trinitarianism, Trinitarianism, by pointing out that we've gone back to the teaching of the apostles. If you go in this Bible and you read and look for whether there is one God or there's three, you're not going to have much problem finding out that there's one God. Amen. I can tell you because I've looked at every scripture. It's all over this book, ladies and gentlemen. That's right. It's somebody who doesn't have someone trying to teach them about anything else that will just open this book and look for it won't have any problem finding out that there's one God and so our whole goal is to go back to the way that that the apostles believed and that Jesus taught and he very much did he very much did teach that he was God in flesh and by doing so we can help others understand who God is um, you, you may have wondered if this Trinitarian belief in the world is so prominent, and we teach so very differently from that. Then, where did this view or understanding of Trinity come from? Well, we're going to talk about that. I'm, I'm going to, you're going to find out where this really come from today. There was um, a steel that was made, a metal steel that was called Damascus steel. Damascus steel was sought after all over the ancient world. Brother Wilson, if you wanted the best tools that you could find, you didn't go to Harbor Freight back then. You went and got you some Damascus steel. Everybody wanted Damascus steel. There was something different about it. They desired to equip their soldiers with swords and spears and shields that were all made from this special metal. Despite the fame of it the recipe for creating Damascus steel that was so different from every other metal Was lost in time and nobody can find How they created what they added or what they did to make this supreme metal and people are still searching for it today They want to find out how they can make a superior metal than any other and for now All it is is going to be relics and stories. We'll, we may never know But just as that recipe for Damascus steel was lost, there are Christian teachings, doctrines of the word that many are losing to time because they have not kept dear to their hearts the recipe for how to have the real deal. Amen. And so, piece by piece, the recipe has gotten lost for many in our world, and it's become something that's just not the same as Damascus steel. It doesn't have the strength, it doesn't hold up like Damascus steel. And the apostolic revival of the 20th century restored the belief in Jesus' name baptism that's taught in this Bible. Restored the belief of the oneness of God that's taught in this Bible. It's not debatable. It's in there very clear for us all to see. And in the Old Testament, the people of God received the revelation of the oneness of God. However, they often lost sight of it. We can even see in our Bible where they would lose sight of it. They would worship idols from time to time. And they would get enamored with false gods and gods from other nations And prophets like Isaiah that we're reading from this very morning would remind them, and he'd have to tell them to put their idols away and trust in the one sovereign Lord. This was his message that God had given him. And today we've got to be aware to not fall into the same trap. Now, I want you to listen closely to what we're looking at in our text. The children of Abraham... Struggled to maintain their belief in one God. This is why this prophecy in our text is going forth. They were struggling to have that same belief that they had had before that there was one God. Israel's and Judah's problems with idols that they were having led the Lord to inspire Isaiah and give him a word from God to proclaim the oneness of God. That we find in our scripture now. Remember with those first two scriptures four times God asserted himself through Isaiah. I am the only God. There is none beside me Two verses out of the whole prophecy. He's letting them know there's no other God and so he speaks through him and the northern kingdom of Israel had now fallen into the trap of idolatry and the Assyrians had defeated them And Isaiah wanted the southern kingdom of Judah to avoid this same fate. They were getting ready to get there. And God gives him this prophecy. So two things are happening. This is key this morning. First of all, these people had fallen away from belief in one God. Okay? Now if you'll stick with me, there's a lot in our world that have fallen away from that belief that there is one God. The second thing is They fell into idolatry. Now, did you know that the one commandment that is broken the most out of the Ten Commandments is probably not the one you expected? You would think maybe maybe covenant. A lot of people covet, you know. Maybe somebody's convicted this morning. You looked over at your neighbor's house and you seen that brand new lawnmower. You thought, my God, I'm going to have to repent this morning already. It's not cutting. Yeah, I bet you that you could go through in your mind most of them right now and wouldn't be able to get it. In our world today, the one commandment that I wager is broken the most is thou shalt have no other gods before me. Now, I'm not talking about Middle Eastern countries, Japan, China, where they're literally bowing to molded gods. Back up from that. Yeah, that's included for sure. Our problem today is we've got idols that may not, maybe we don't physically bow before them religiously throughout the week, but spiritually... And emotionally, sometimes unconsciously, we bow before them. And the whole definition of an idol is just something that you've put before the one true God. So there are gods, if you will. Now, don't don't think that I'm uh, spreading false doctrine here. Just stick with me for a minute. There are gods that are at war for our soul in this world. They're not real gods, but we make them up to be gods. There are gods of money that people are bound to every week. Career that people are bound to every week. Even hobbies that people are bound to. We would say, well, you know, I, my job's important to me. My hobbies are, yeah, that's fine. But the question is, have we put it before God? Because then we have broken a commandment. There are gods of love. There are people that are bowing down to lust. There's people that are bowing down to even a right relationship. They put it before God. Because this person that they're with doesn't serve God, they've decided well, if I'm going to be with this person I'm not going to serve God. And in doing that they have bowed down to an idol. So the two things that they were struggling with the most they had turned their backs from the oneness of God and they had begun bowing down to idols is <laughs> happening in our world today. Amen. There are people that have turned away from the right view of God that he's not three or five or ten people is one person and they have begun bowing down to idols if unconsciously they're doing it and there are gods at war for their soul and the only answer to it today is to cast down every idol every God like Isaiah was telling them to do you need to cast down your idols there, there was a point where a prophet ran into a temple and he told them, he pointed his finger in their faces, You need to get every idol out of this building and burn it because this house is to be holy unto the Lord. Jesus himself would march into a temple and he would have what some might call a temper tantrum. He turned over some tables. Yes. He made a few people a little bit angry. But you know what? These people did not understand. They did not have a view of the oneness of God. They didn't understand that God was turning over tables in his temple. Because he was angered at the fact that money had become a God before him. That's right. And so he turns over the money tables. And he begins doing away with these gods that the people had put before him. You know what we got to do today? We got to get the gods out of the house. We got we to get them out get them out get them out and put one on the throne you can probably observe right now you know i'm not one of these guys that's gonna get all up in your face and say you know from the pulpit that this brother sitting right here has this going on in his life and you better get it out right now you know I'm not one of those guys, but you can observe your own life right now and see areas where perhaps maybe, maybe just maybe you've put up something else before him mm-hmm. and that needs to be took out. Yes, It needs to be took out and the temple needs to be purified, it needs to be purified. <laughs> and so this prophecy today, we can all agree this prophecy. They're dealing with the same things that we deal with today. And this prophecy we could say is absolutely for us prophecies in the Bible, they're not just um, a predicting of an event, a word for just the people that were in that Bible. Many, many times they're a word for us. And God's speaking to us in our same situation. We got to recognize the sovereignty of God and that idols, gods are at war for our soul. And every one of them has to be eliminated. The people not only needed to destroy physical idols, but they needed to remove idolatry from their hearts. You know what we've got to adopt in our hearts? This is what we've got to do. And this is at the core of if you're going to serve God or not. It's got to be, I'm going to live for the one God with everything I've got. And I'm going to enjoy the things that He's put around me in the earth and the people that He's given me, but I don't serve them and I don't live for them. I live for the one true God. And if we can adopt that in our heart, that's the beginning of serving God in any way. What, what are the idols that you need to eliminate in your life? What are the things that have taken up importance? What are some things that you have made more important than God? Very pointedly this morning, they've got to go. They've got to go. He's the creator. And we see sovereignty in the fact. Some people don't understand how they can observe sovereignty. He he puts it in his creation. He puts it in his creation. You know that part of the idols that they would worship, they would worship the sun and the moon. This was just, many of them is how they were taught, you know. And they would get up in the morning and the sun would be there and they'd think, oh, Thank you, son, for coming out so I can see you today. I'm just going to worship you. And then at night, they, they see the moon coming up and they say, "Oh, it's time for." A Thank you, moon, for coming up so I can go to bed. And so they just worship, and that was just what people did. That sounds silly, you know. It's very silly, but they did not have a relationship with their creator, and so they didn't have this view of the fact that everything around you was given unto you by a creator. You need to worship Him. And God put all these things, in fact, for us to point back to Him, for us to look back at all these wonderful things that we have. I've said this before, but don't you think that it's so amazing, just shocking, the fact that we've got all these planets in our solar system that are speeding around thousands of miles per hour. And they're not just going around, they're spinning around in the spot that they're at, thousands of miles per hour. And they're doing all this, and there's so many of these planets No other of these planets is there anybody living on except the one that we're at because of the fact that God placed it just the right distance from the sun and it has just enough water that we can live on it and we can grow our food. Why did he put all these other planets, all these other stars, why are we in a solar system? Because he's showing us nobody can do this but me. I'm trying to point you back to the fact that I'm sovereign. I've suspended all of these plants, these stars in space. Not for you to worship them. Not for you to get up in the morning and thank the stars. But thank the creator of the stars. And so when you see something this week that, that just shocks you in creation, um, you ought to look back to God and say, thank you, Lord, for your creation. Thank you, God, for creating that. Uh, if you hadn't looked at the, the forecast lately, we're about to get a gully washer, about to get some rain. And when you uh, so at some point this week you see rain coming down like cats and dogs, you ought to think, thank God. I know maybe I can't get out today, but thank God that there's rain, that I can have food, that we can have cotton, so I can have a suit so I can have a nice dress. Thank God for all these things that He's created to point us back to Him. Now, I'm drawing to a close this morning, but you know what the crux of all this is? Is the fact that we have a problem with control. Amen. We have Amen. a serious problem with control. Amen. Now I want you to think about this. There was a time when getting up on a Saturday evening and telling the family, hey, let's go out for coffee, meant you went down to the gas station or you went down to Harps and they had brewed a cup of coffee. Today, when somebody says in an American household, hey, let's go out for coffee, it means that you're gonna go down to Starbucks and they're gonna order a mile long item uh, uh, a Frappe Latte Macchiato Americano, no whip, uh, extra syrup, hold the mayonnaise, I don't know, and all these things and I'm like things have changed and you know what we like? We like control over what we got. We want to add all these things and then, you know it's fine until it gets uh into our soul we've got uh, all these things you know you can microwave your food at a time there used to be when you didn't microwave food it took a long time more than that to get your food we've got fast food today because we want control of the time that we get our food we love control everything now has more settings more features every vehicle that comes out another year has more features we love the control we want to be able to control the situation, you know. Now, I don't know why my afflictions always come out as illustrations in my messages. But this week, Sister Kirsten was gone at Crusader Camp and I got home from work and it had gotten hot on this particular day when I walked in the house. And so I walked up to the thermostat and I'm going to turn the temperature down. And when I walked over this thermostat which is pretty new. We get, I mean, the whole air system was put in a year ago or something, it's a totally different panels, electronic and everything. And I go over to it and it's got these vents on the side of it, these holes that are on the side. And I'm about to press this thing and I look on the side of it and there's about four long legs poking out of the side of the thermostat. And so I said, well, first of all, we've seen about four or five brown recluse in our house in the last couple of weeks. And so we already dealing with that problem. I'm like, I don't know what this is that I'm about to deal with, but I'm looking at it and I'm thinking, I'll just hit it, you know, and maybe it'll come out. So I'm hitting the thermostat and I, I hope that my windows weren't open for somebody to see me beating on the thermostat like this. you know? But I'm sitting here hitting it, hoping that the thing's gonna crawl out and get sick and tired of that, and then I can mash it, you know. And the thing, there's no way for it to get out. I don't know how it got in. I pulled the thermostat off the wall and I'm looking at it I don't know how this spider that looks pretty large got into the thermostat. It's still there this morning. Oh, and so you know what I did? Because I'm um, Henry Zagar, I got my phone out and I said I'm gonna video this, the leg sticking out of the side of this thermostat, and show Sister Kirsten when she comes home. You know. And so I videoed, and, I, and she got home. And I said, baby, I wanna show you something. And I got it out and I showed her this video and she's like, um, you gotta get that thing out. <laughs> I said, well, I would love to. If you want to take a sledgehammer to it, that's not <clears> the only <throat> way it's gonna happen. So it's still there this morning. And I, I just figured, you know, we'll just let it sit in there until it dies. I mean, because I don't know of any other way unless you take the entire thing apart. There's no screws in it or anything like that. We want to control this situation somehow and kill this spider but it can't happen there's no way to get to it and this one thing that that aggravates us is the fact that we cannot control the situation there's so many areas in our life that we don't want to go to God to have him deal with it we want to control it we want to put it in a box have buttons that we can push that make it work this way and that way and and God don't have to be a part of it we got it under control we are control freaks, ladies and gentlemen. Yes. We want to make it work our way. Now, how about this? I'm just going to come out with it. If you've got kids that are doing everything but right, they're doing wrong, and they're getting professional at it. Amen. You could beat it out of them if you wanted to. But you know what the ultimate answer is? It's going to have to be God getting in their heart. Amen. Yeah, I, I'm not, I'm not taken away from discipline or anything like that. But it's going to have to be God getting in their heart. If anything's going to happen. You know what? You can do a lot of things. You can send them to meetings and try to get them help, but it won't do a thing for their soul. You can try to put the control in. And have all the buttons that you can push to try to make it work. But in the end, there's not a button you can push that can send somebody to heaven. Amen. There's not. And so we control situations. I talked last week about... Uh, we, we read that scripture in Isaiah where they had gotten a letter in the mail that said we're about to bulldoze this whole country. And you can get that piece of mail... And you can go and turn to to everything you've got, your men, and say, get the battle defenses together. We'll have to try to do something. You can try to control that situation, but do you know what he did? Hezekiah went and he took that letter and he sat it before God and said, Lord, I'm giving this letter to you. Amen. Because can't nobody control this situation but you. You put the power in those men that want to bulldoze us. You put the power in us. And I'm saying, Lord, control is all yours. You're sovereign. You're almighty God. There is none before thee. There's nobody. There's nobody else. It's just God. Today, what I'm trying to convey to you is it is so easy. It's so easy to look at a problem and say, I'll handle it. How about on Father's Day? Sometimes it's so easy for men to say, I'll fix it. And on a lot of things, we can do that. When it comes to the spiritual, the emotional, the family, the, the matters of the soul, it's not an easy thing that these two hands can just fix it. You know what we got to do? First of all, we've got to get every god out of the house, every idol out of the house that doesn't belong. It, we've got to adopt this attitude of there is one sovereign God, and I'm giving you control today, Lord. I'm giving you control of everything, God. I could, I could try to handle this, and I could really mess it up probably. I can make it a bigger mess than it is. Or I can lay the letter down before the Lord and say, God, it's yours. You're the creator. And I'm giving it to you. Not my will, but thine be done. Now today, you probably struggle with giving up control to some things to God. you, You know, a lot of people do. But it was even he himself in the garden that had to come to a point where he said, Lord, this is something in my human flesh. I don't want to go die on a cross, but not my will. Thine be done. I understand that this is for the salvation of humanity, and that's your plan. And so I'm going to follow through with it because you're in control. God is in charge. God is in charge. There's no dignitary that's in charge, no politician. Politics, the whole idea is the fight over power. None of them realize any power they've got comes from him anyway. And they're fighting over stuff that's not even their own. And it's a continual fight, a foolish, endless fight. But I thank God for the people today that will turn to him and say, Lord, this power, I won't even wield it right this thing that you've given me, this life you've given me, this family that you've given me, I can't even operate it right. But if you'll help me, I'll give you control, God. I think I think it'll go right. I think that I can do right. It's all about giving control to God. Let's stand this morning. There's some people that doubt God created the heavens and the earth. You know that there's some people today that they're called flat earthers. They still believe that the earth is flat. I'm being for real. There's people that still believe that. There's people that deny that God created anything. They raise questions about whether a creator even exists. Some state that there's scientific objections and and things like this. And no matter the reason, the true issue is that they are denying the power of God because they do not want somebody else to be in control of their lives. Now, we pride ourselves in America of somebody who will take initiative, somebody who will take control, get the job done. We admire stories like that, and we love that. You know what's hard for some people? For them not to say, I did it, but God did not For them to deny that they had anything to do with it, but it was all God. I could stand up here and say this morning that I would not be standing here before you if it wasn't for God. Any ability that I have in conveying a message to you, that ability didn't come from me. It came from God. If you enjoy a little riff that I do on drums this morning, well, that's great. I'm glad you enjoyed it, but that didn't come from me. It came from God. But it's hard. Boy, it's hard sometimes for us to recognize that. And then we deal with so many problems. We deal with so many things. And sometimes we don't ever bring the worst things to God in prayer. When we know he's the only answer. He's the only answer. And we'll leave those things behind. Lock them up in a room. Control it. God is just saying, give me the key to open up that door and I'll fix it. I'll solve it for you. I'll give you some rest and some sleep. I'll calm your nerves and your mind. Let me have control. Let the Creator have control. Would you lift your hands right now?